0: Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, survival tips and summer clothes.
1: Foraging was probably my first little dive into the world of wilderness survival. I mean, I went two plus weeks without eating before. I've made it up to two and a half days without water before. When it comes to survival, things can get very ugly uh, very fast. Naked and Afraid, I was on it three different times. Um, I survived in South Africa for 40 days. I've eaten turtles, uh, monitor lizards, I've eaten antelope testicles, I've eaten warthog brain.
0: I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or review. Our goal over the next couple of weeks and months is to try to make this show a lot more interactive. So if there's anything That you think, if there's anything that you like or that you don't like, guests that you want to hear from, topics we want to talk about, we really do want to hear from you. So our email address is right there. We're on social media, Profoundly Pointless, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, and even in your podcast app. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you like or don't like. Because we've been doing this show for almost four years now, and it just feels like, It feels like something is missing. And honestly, I think that something is you. Like, we want to know more about what you think. So our first guest teaches people how to survive extreme situations. And she has been in some very extreme situations everywhere from Africa to the rainforest. She has survived for weeks on end with basically nothing. And you might recognize her from the TV show Naked and Afraid. The inside look at how that show comes together and what the situations that they're in are really like is fascinating. This is survivalist Melissa Miller. When it comes to kind of survival skills, like how prepared do you think that most people are?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, And in terms of... For a catastrophic event, uh, unfortunately, not not much. The whole prepper type thing seems to kind of be something that is actually coming a lot more commonplace nowadays. But, you know, people, a lot of people look at it and just think that people who, you know, go out of their way to be prepared or know all that survival skills, they kind of think that they might think those people are a little crazy. But it's, it's a great skill to have because when the time comes that you need it, you really it's really a time when you really need it.
0: And it's definitely one of those things like if you don't know it already, it's kind of too late.
1: Yeah, it's good to have some a few basic skills, uh, especially in terms of just emergency preparedness. Absolutely. You know, you just never know when you're going to be in a situation where having that basic knowledge and that basic foundation is going to save your life. So
0: some of those basic things like what are some things that you think that like, look, you should you should probably know this.
1: Well, when it comes to outdoor survival, just knowing what to do if you get lost and knowing just some basic ways to keep yourself alive for at least a couple days until a search and rescue team can come find you.
0: But well, I guess what do you do if you get lost? The only thing I've ever heard is like, well, follow water.
1: If you get lost hiking, honestly, the most important thing you can do is stay where you are. And I know that sounds contradictory, but people will come find you. If you are absolutely, totally and utterly lost, if you're at that point where you're off grid and you're in a hiking trail and you have no idea where you are, stay put and figure out how you can how you can survive the night because people are going to come find you within, you know, you're going to get reported missing or whatnot. People are going to know what's up. But before that, Before any of that, make sure to always let people know you're going out for a hike. Let them know, hey, I'm going to be here. And that way, if you do get lost, they will know exactly where to go.
0: So in your kind of experience, to help at least me put things in perspective, say 10 is I could go out into the wilds of the wildest places right now and be completely fine. And one, if I'm five feet away from my kitchen, I'm probably not going to survive. Like where on that scale of one to 10 do you think that most people probably are?
1: I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I'll say four, three. I don't know. Most people I know cannot do a set, can't even deal without like the basic, like without their phone. I don't know.
0: I think that honestly though, that's like a fair assessment. Like I grew up camping, hunting, fishing in Kansas and Colorado. And I don't know if I would last 48 hours. I really don't.
1: It's it's hard, especially being outside wilderness survival, it is a whole different territory. Um, when you don't have the right equipment, you can you can die, die really quickly. It's it's scary. There's a lot of things that happen really quickly like being too cold, hypothermia, and dehydration. And yeah, most people aren't prepared. And honestly, to be prepared, it takes a lot of practice, it takes a lot of research, and it takes a lot of time. It's, it's an investment to be prepared um, in a scenario like that, you know, just knowing how to survive in the wilderness.
0: So how did you kind of, like, how did you get into this?
1: I grew up a big nature lover my whole life, and it really stemmed, I started to work at a nature preservation several years ago, And I started to teach uh, wilderness uh, survival classes. I I just got really heavy into it. And I would say that just all stemmed from a general love of nature. You know, I grew up fishing, hiking, all that. And um, yeah, I think foraging was probably my first little dive into the world of wilderness survival and learning about edible plants and fungi, berries, all that stuff. So edible plant species that you can find outside.
0: That's always really worried me because I thought, like, oh, if I get lost, I have no – like, should I eat that? Can I eat this? Like, is there a way that you can tell, like, you can eat this, you shouldn't eat this? Because it seems like the consequences are, like, if you pick the wrong one, it's really bad.
1: I highly, highly recommend. Don't just go out there and do it. It's definitely something that takes a lot of time and practice and you want to make sure you're eating the right thing. There, there are poisonous species in your backyard. There are deadly species out there in the woods, in the local park. You just always got to be on top of your game. So yeah, do tread with caution. Um, I would say I have an entire, you know, I have a lifetime of experience with being outdoors. It's something I've always been very in tune with. I've always it takes a long time to learn that skill, and it doesn't just come from reading a book. It really comes from uh, being out there and knowing how to properly identify uh, plants and fungi, especially fungi. That's when you really can get dangerous because the fungi are, as we all know, are things that can make you very, very sick.
0: Now, did you have somebody kind of show you how to do a lot of those things? Because, like, I've looked at different species and stuff like that, and in the book and things like that. Well. To me, it's like reading Ikea instructions in the sense of like, well, this could be this way, but it also could be that way. Like it's it's meaningless to me in a way.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just it's one of those things that the more you get out there and the more you look at plant species and learn how to properly identify, the better you will get. If you just walk out there with a book. Um, And expect to know how to identify things. It it doesn't work like that. It's something that comes with time. You know, I I taught classes on foraging, and I did a lot of research. And even I, Nick, even I am still not 100% sure. I don't, I am always very cautious. And um, even when it comes to things like mushrooms, especially, I am not fully comfortable, especially when I'm not in my like local area. I won't mess with things when I'm in a different state or especially different country.
0: We had a guy on here who is a fungi researcher and he said the same thing. He's like, look, I've been studying these and have a doctorate in it. And there's still some stuff like, I, I don't know exactly what that is. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. like when you when it comes to survival, I guess what would you say are kind of like the most important skills for people to be able to have?
1: There are your necessities, so food, water, and shelter. The most important thing that you're gonna want to learn is how to how to get good shelter and how to make sure that you are warm enough to make it through the night. I would say shelter and fire. Um, because that is the number one killer when it comes to a survival situation is hypothermia and weather conditions, especially let's say you're walking on a you know 70-degree day and it rains, you get wet that goes to 50 degrees at night, your body temperature is what your body temperature is going to go down to like 40. Um so making sure that you're staying dry, that you have shelter to cover your head from rain and um fire and then water and then food. But number one is always having a plan to know how you can get some form of shelter to where you're not going to go into a form of like hypothermia. It's the number one killer in these wilderness survival cases. You know, people they get too cold. Shelters even before water?
0: me knowing nothing i'd be like well i better find water because
1: yeah so nick there's this really common there's this really popular rule it's like the rule of three um it's a survival thing so in in extreme conditions your body can survive uh three hours without proper shelter three days without proper water and three weeks without food i mean i went two plus weeks without eating before. I've made it up to two and a half days without water before, but I, I've always established shelter first because in a very cold or in a very extreme weather situation, you can, you can perish without proper shelter. So shelter is always the, the number one priority and then knowing how to do um, fire or trying to know, like always carry a backup fire, making method and being aware of ways to make fire in nature is very important to keep warm.
0: Are we talking, I got to build myself like a three-bedroom condo out here, or do I just put some leaves on myself? Like, How good of the shelter does it need to be to be like, all right, that's good enough?
1: I would say the most important thing when it comes to shelter is familiarizing yourself with different types of insulation um, that you can put on the ground to sleep on, because the ground will sap your energy at night when you're sleeping on it. So being aware of where there might be dead leaves or moss, so you can put that on the ground and lay on that if you have to overnight it and then just knowing how to create a very simple shelter probably the most simple shelter i can think that is super easy to learn is a lean to pretty much you can make one by taking a bunch of sticks and kind of i'm sorry my i can't raise my arm but i'm trying to show you
0: you're okay don't worry for for people who may be listening to this at home melissa hurt her uh collarbone so she can't raise her arm very well.
1: What a common way is people take like two sticks like this and then uh, they'll take another one like that and then you would put more sticks on it and it kind of creates like a little tent shape. That's another, that's pretty much a very basic lean to.
0: Now you mentioned like wilderness survival. Are there other kinds of survival?
1: There are all different types of uh, survival. So I actually, I currently work for a magazine called Recoil Off Grid, and their focus is urban survival in the case of a catastrophic event where we lose the power on the grid. And it it focuses on different types of um, urban awareness, urban survival situations.
0: I guess in urban survival, like what's kind of, what are the big things there that people should be aware of?
1: Well, civil unrest and basically total shutdown of the government, I think, is the biggest fear that people have when it comes to that. So, basically, imagine a situation where all forms of law enforcement and government um, go away completely, and you basically need to figure out how to survive in a every man for himself situation in an urban environment. And we would like to believe that we would like to believe that humans would come together and work together, but. When it comes to survival, things can get very ugly, uh, very fast, especially if people are in a situation where they're fighting for resources like food and water. Um, so, yeah, urban survival—it's—it's it's a very scary situation, and that is why you kind of have these people that like, you know, they'll stock up on ammo, they'll stock up on food. You know, people look and go, "Oh, you're crazy," but gosh, if. If, if God forbid, a really crazy situation happened where we lost, you know, a form of, if we, we, the government lost control or people, you know, we got into this kind of.
0: Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. No, and I mean, yeah. and that's, that's the kind of thing. I mean, look at the beginning of the pandemic when we had like food short, not even a food shortage, but the idea of a food shortage and look what kind of people did. I'm not one of those yeah. like, doomsday people necessarily and if that's your thing that's your thing whatever whatever people want to do that's your thing but i do kind of have that feeling like oh maybe we should kind of be ready for something like my wife and i we've got earthquake kits in the house
1: i think you know i'm not a huge prepper myself like i don't have this crazy bunker but i do have some essentials i do have some emergency food stashed away and i think that people Most importantly, in terms of preparedness, should be familiar with basic medical um, and emergency response situations and that you should always have a good medical kit on hand. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but like I in my car, I have a full med kit. I have a full trauma kit. You know, just make sure you have these you know, medical things on hand. I think those are, in my opinion, a very important thing to have in terms of emergency preparedness.
0: Now, for for people like yourself and this is a generalization, so keep that in mind, right? Like, are people afraid that these things are going to happen or are they more just, like, prepared? Because for my example, like, we have earthquake kits, but I'm not really worried about an earthquake. Do you think that for a lot of survivalists, like, are they more prepared or are they really worried that these things are going to
1: happen? Um, definitely just more prepared. I think there's this big misconception on like everyone, like the, there's a prepper that's just sitting there looking out as window blinds, thinking that something crazy is going to happen. No, the community is not like that. They're, they're, uh, they're focused on being prepared. And just in case something happens, I don't think. And, and it's kind of like, if you're prepared, you don't have to be worried.
0: There's definitely something along the lines, too, of like, you're crazy until you're not. You're Mm -hmm. basically crazy until you're a genius is how I feel a lot of that stuff works. Um, Now, like for some of your experiences, you mentioned like two and a half days without water. How many weeks without food? Like, how did you end up in
1: these situations? There's a Discovery Channel show. It is called uh, Naked and Afraid. It's this, it's this crazy concept of a show that is focused just on primitive survival. They throw two people out in the middle of the wilderness and you have to survive. They give you like, you you get like two to three items and you have to survive completely. Um, You have to survive with that. And that's all. And it's a very intense situation. I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's any other situation that could possibly be more intense than being thrown out in the middle of the woods with literally nothing. You don't even have clothes. Um, And it's not meant to be like a provocative, sexy thing, because trust me, it is not sexy at all. It is like a disgustingly gross situation. It's meant to be all about survival. So you have to make like your own clothes or figure out ways to fight off the bugs. So that's my That's my extreme experience um, in that realm is being on the show, Naked and Afraid. I was on it three different times. Um, I survived in South Africa for 40 days with nothing, but I I had a knife. I had my bow and arrow. um, And then I did it in the Amazon jungle. I had a knife and I had had a fishing line. And then I did it in the Florida Everglades and we had a fire starter and a knife and like a pot. So very limited um, equipment every time. And it was very extreme situations.
0: The thing that I've always wondered about those shows is like, well, who's filming that? Are they, do
1: they have camera people out there? Very limited camera crew. It is a sound guy. It is a producer and it is a camera guy. So you literally have a crew of three people and they get there around 10 a.m. And then they leave at 5 p.m. And then it's just you and a video camera and your partner for the entirety of the night. So it is very real. It's very raw. And um, yeah, you're out there alone. I've had situations where, you know, it's me and two of my one situation was me and two other partners and we. had a fire in our knives and we could hear lions outside of our shelter and there was nobody else in sight. So it is like a very real situation and it is very scary at times.
0: Are they just eating in front of you? That's what I would be like. Bob, the camera guy's just got his granola bar sitting here and I'm like digging in the mud for
1: No. So the crew is not allowed to eat in you. They're not, they're not allowed to eat in front of you. They're not allowed to like smoke in front of you. No, that would be, that would be torture um, because, yeah, all you're thinking about out there is torture. It would be so mean. <laughs> well, I'm the one signed up for it, so I guess. But, yeah, that would be pretty lame if they were, like, eating stuff in front of us. But, no, they're not even allowed to, like, drink water in front of us.
0: Like, I can just see, like, cute to Melissa 10 days in, starving, hungry, tired, cold. And, like, here's Bob with his McDonald's and three coats <laughs> showing up, that kind of stuff. Um.
1: No, they feel bad for us. If anything, they, they actually always tell us like, oh, we feel bad for you. So I don't think they would want to do that to us.
0: Pretty tough. When it comes to like things that people need, like what kind of stuff would you recommend? Like, all right, you should have this, you should have this, you should have this.
1: If you told me like, hey, you're going to need to survive in this area for like a few days before emergency crew finds you, I personally, with my skill set, would prefer like a waterproof fire starter, a good outdoor knife, and like a a pot for boiling water. Like if I was, you know, narrowed down to three solid items that could get me through a couple days, I would want those three items because I can use that knife to build um, my shelter, I can use that fire starter to create fire and to create heat for myself. And I can use um, that pot to collect water and to collect and to cook food and to cook water to sanitize it.
0: Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions?
1: Oh, okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> what skill took you the longest to learn?
1: Ooh, um, Probably being able to create, to build and create a friction fire outside. Um, it involves knowing how to, uh, prepare the right materials and use the right woods. And it also involves really a a specific way, a a specific technique to create a bow drill friction fire that took me uh, quite a while to learn how to do that. Are,
0: Are a lot of those skills, are they hard things to do or do people just need to, you just need to know how to do it?
1: I would say it's about 90% experience. Um, It's not necessarily hard. It's just tedious, very time-consuming, and a lot of trial and error, especially when it comes to things like primitive trapping and friction fire.
0: And primitive trapping is basically kind of like building like rabbit snares or something like that, right?
1: Yes, yeah and doing it out of things like natural materials. So when I say like primitive trapping, I mean, building like an animal trap with like, you have a knife, and that's all you can use. And you're building everything from natural materials. It's very hard and very time consuming. You know, you see people make like something like these primitive fish baskets, and you'll see them do it on TV. And that something like that takes, it takes a whole day just to collect and find the right materials to make it, you know, not let alone another day to like weave it and make it properly. So, everything, it takes time. It's not hard, but it just takes a ton of patience, time, trial and error.
0: Brains or brawn?
1: It's definitely brains. I would say, yeah, brains, 100% knowledge, patience. It's a mental thing. You have to have the right mentality. And, but endurance, I will say, endurance and fitness. Is important as well though i don't want to dismay, you know
0: this one might hit on the nose why do you keep getting <laughs> injured
1: um because i like to live a a dangerous <laughs> lifestyle yeah it's a common i i mean my hobbies are wilderness survival and like extreme mountain biking so i guess when those two things combined you know downhill mountain biking and wilderness survival um, it tends to be a kind of a recipe for getting injured.
0: <laughs> of the three places that you were on naked and afraid or other places that you've been to, like, what would you say is like, Oh, this is the hardest place to survive.
1: Hands down a, uh, hands down the Amazon rainforest. Um, rain is super hard to survive in because you, it's really hard to keep fire and you need fire to boil water and you need, yeah, you need fire to, uh, cook food i always tell people i would rather do 60 days in south africa than 20 days in the amazon jungle it is it is so much harder to survive in a wet rainforest
0: most common mistake people will make
1: not learning how to properly do fire i think fire like i said fire is my favorite part of primitive survival and um not not knowing how to do fire because you need, you just need fire for food. You need fire for water. Uh, I would say another big one is not getting shelter up in time because if it rains, then you're screwed. If you don't have, if you don't have a proper roof over your head, you're just screwed. If you get wet overnight, you're going to freeze. Even if it's like 70 degrees during the day, you're going to be so cold at night. If you do not get a, sh- uh, a shelter over your head as soon as possible.
0: Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, Oh, this is it.
1: Um, yeah. So when I first did naked and afraid, I got lost in the Amazon forest. Um, I was looking for some food and I got, I got totally lost um, and I started like doing circles and it was it was so scary. I started thinking about my parents. And then I'm like, Melissa, what? And I had to stop and like tell myself, what what do you do? You you stay in place, stay in place. This is what you've been teaching people for like years. Stay in place when you get lost. So I stayed in place. I found a log. I sat on it. And like two hours later, I heard my producers were able to find me by calling my name. Um, it was. Yeah that was one of, that was the scariest um, I'd ever been in like a survival situation. And um, another time was in South Africa when, like I said, it was me and my two partners and we could hear, we could hear lions chuffing. I mean, they were probably a ways away. We did have a fire, um, but we could hear them. And it was like, it was really scary. Like, you know, when you're like, we found, we later found out that They were actually lions that had previously killed a ranger and um, a a poacher. Um, So we were pretty upset that they put us in an area with two man-eating lions.
0: Small oversight. (laughs) Small oversight uh, on their part, right? Most dangerous animals, plants, or
1: insects. It's actually, believe it or not, it's the smallest things that will drive you the craziest out there. So I'm not particularly afraid of like larger animals, um, but it's always the little ones that f- would freak me out the most. Like when we were in the Amazon, we were in an area where the bullet ant was present and they have like the most painful bite on earth. Um, I would say uh, though, in terms of larger animals, probably oh God, this is so bad. Cause I would like literally go swimming in the water all the time and f- the producers hated me because they thought I was going to die. But the alligators, I was like a very alligator infested area. And I would say that they're pretty, pretty dangerous. But I think people, when you, the more you learn about animal behavior, the more you realize that animals, they don't want like anything to do with you. Um, they just want you to leave them alone.
0: What is something that you see other survivalists or survival myth that is out there that you think like, oh, that's you can't. That that's not the right thing.
1: That you can just create fire by rubbing two sticks together. But there's a ton of weird survival myths out there. On um, yeah, sucking, sucking. You can't suck venom, you know, out of a when a snake bites you. Yeah, that's a that's a really big one.
0: Here's the one that's either a brilliant question, offensive, or just weird. Since the show is naked and afraid, what person, man or woman, is? at greater risk of getting something snagged
1: so definitely the man in fact there is like i know that a lot of the amazon tribes they have actually like it's a it's a contraption where they'll like tie a rope and they'll secure their penis and their sometimes their balls um in the amazon tribes they'll secure it against their stomach because of fish potentially coming to uh nibble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard um, of that fish. <laughs> one of my partners, um, when we were in the Amazon, he had his balls bitten several times. I would just hear him go, Oh fuck like you know I'd hear him like swear and he'd be like, I'd fire and just bit my balls. And I just I felt so bad. So men definitely have much more exposed and um especially in a naked and afraid situation
0: would you say like in the survival communities, like ooh, who would probably like are men more equipped or women more equipped or is it pretty much just equal
1: um and I, i'm not, so i'm not just saying this because i'm a girl but i do think that women have um an easier time with uh the survival situation. And I think it's just because genetically our bodies are built to, uh, we have naturally, we also have more fat stores than men. Um, and we, from my experiences on the show, women tend to deal better with um, caloric restriction than men. And I think a lot of that, that is just set up in our biology. Uh, we also are, I, and I don't want to confirm this, but I've heard many times that women just have a higher pain tolerance because, you know, of the fact that we have to give childbirth, um, too. So I, I personally think that at least on the show, it would seem that women had, uh, the ones that I came across had a, a bit more of a easier time actually. Um, and I will say that we also have just, I think throughout life, I know I personally had experience with like diet, more dieting and more calorie restriction, So I was like prepared, you know, compared to like my, one of my partners and one of the challenges who was used to eating like 4,000 calories a day, I was like, oh, this is just like an extreme diet. Well, not I've never done that extreme of a diet, but you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I think, I think biologically women's bodies are set up a little bit better to tolerate pain and to tolerate uh, starvation.
0: Strangest thing you've ever eaten while out there.
1: There's been so many weird things that I've eaten. Um, Well, let's name a few. I've eaten turtles, uh, monitor lizards. I've eaten antelope testicles. I've eaten warthog brain, warthog eyeballs. Um, I've eaten, you know, all sorts of snakes, lizards. Um, And that's just to name a few. Which one tasted (laughs) the best? The monitor uh, egg, it was like, so monitor lizards are these type of eggs found in Africa. And it could have just been because I was really hungry, but man, it was delicious yolk. I also uh, had liver, like antelope. It was like the liver and that was really good. Um, And surprisingly, the warthog brain, to me, it tasted quite delicious. It was like this fatty tissue. It was, it was kind of (laughs) like, it was it's like weird because normally in my day-to-day life, I would not want to eat any of that stuff. But when you're hungry, it tastes, everything kind of tastes like a delicacy.
0: That's pretty much all the questions that we got. Um, is What's kind of coming up next for you?
1: Well, Nick, I have a whole summer of mountain biking planning, and as of most recently, I'm getting ready for a blade show. Uh, I work for this company called Blade Show, and we are the world's largest knife show, and it comes to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, June 3rd through 5th, and it's like a thousand knife companies, you know, tens of thousands of people there. You got swords, kitchen knives, there's like after parties, demos and like a lot of blacksmith, all the forged people, all the people from the show Forged and Fire are there and all the, there's a lot of naked and afraid people there, a lot of outdoor knife, like a lot of outdoor celebrities come there. So if you like knives, you should come to Atlanta, Georgia, um, June 3rd through 4th, and uh, I'll be at Blade Show as well too. So um, people can, yeah, come see me there. That's that's the big project in the work right now is our is our knife show, so.
0: I want to thank Melissa so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. If you meet somebody else with the same personality characteristics as you, do you like them or not like them?
2: Ooh, that's, you know, that, uh, that could be a whole other discussion, but I'm just going to say, I think as a a general rule of thumb, if you meet somebody that has the same characteristics as you, you usually do not get along with them.
0: Yeah. Anytime I've met somebody who's like me, I have not liked them.
2: But then does it make you wonder if you don't like them? Why do people like you?
0: Maybe you just don't, maybe you're like projecting and you don't want somebody, you don't want to maybe make the realization that somebody else could be like you. Like, wait a minute, you can't be like me, I'm me. Or maybe you really don't like those qualities in yourself. Maybe you secretly don't like those qualities. And then when you're confronted by them, you realize, oh, I don't like that about myself.
2: Is it like how you got a haircut for this episode? I didn't get a haircut. My hair just looks
0: fantastic. And I can get my wife to back me up on this. We're completely, now look, we made this realization under the influence of edibles and alcohol. But we made the realization that I can mentally control my own hair. Like I can. I'm serious. I can think of what I want my hair to look like for that day and it will look like that. I can mentally control my hair.
2: Uh, I I'm speechless. So, okay. Make, make your hair part to the side right now.
0: No, I can't do it. It has to be after the shower. Like, okay. So for example, yesterday I saw myself from a certain angle and was like, wait a minute, am I losing some hair? And then this morning I was like, Nope, I got to fluff it up. It's got to be full. I did the exact same thing, but just made that mental thought. And now look at it. Look how full it looks. I can mentally control my own hair.
2: Uh, I don't think that's correct, but hey, whatever. It's, uh, it's what, whatever you think. I don't think that you should have a problem with it. I don't, I don't the have The fact a that I can do it. this, right? I, it's a I, super,
0: it's the only person in the world who can mentally control their own hair.
2: I, I still don't think you can control your hair, but hey, it's fine. It looks great. Do you want it, me to, it, do it, you
0: it. want me to get my wife down here?
2: No, not really. John! John! Can you come here for a second?
0: Just just how so long you do you know. think? OK, OK, if I called her, let's start. It, how long do you, do you think that she comes immediately? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um <laughs> Or do you think it takes her a while? Let's see. Oh, that's reasonably quickly.
2: Oh, yeah. OK, can pretty quickly.
0: Can I mentally control my own hair?
1: Yep, sure can.
2: See that? She just said, what a large penis you have. So she just said whatever you wanted to hear. All right, that's right, I've
0: basically forgotten the whole rant that I was going to go. Oh, it's because I was watching my son, and he was doing something that reminded me of me, and I realized, oh, I don't like that about myself.
2: Isn't that one of the scariest things, though, as we get older? Like the fear of turning into one of our parents, which happens inevitably.
0: Yeah. But I feel like it's that's what everybody does, and the harder you try to fight against it, the more that it's going to happen. Because once you become a parent, then you revert like your personality to the personality of your parents, and like, well, what did they do in this situation? And you just copy them. It's the same way we learn basically how to be people is you copy somebody else and watch them. So how do we know how to be parents? Well, we watched our parents, and now we become them. Oh, this is
2: listen. I think it's quite interesting. They're Deadpool.
0: It's not Deadpool. It's Coach Bruce Arians. Everybody thinks it's a shirt of Deadpool, and apparently it's not okay to wear it to work functions. <laughs> Is that really a
2: Bruce Arians t-shirt?
0: Yeah, I got it for free. I'm not getting rid of a free t-shirt.
2: All right. Uh, shout out time. <laughs> and the, these shout outs are for Bart Scott. Bart, if you're a listener, we're uh, we're big fans of your work, and uh What's you should come with on you the show.
0: Bart Scott recently. Is there an guess, anniversary
2: or you just realize
0: you remembered who bart scott is
2: you know you're like the sixth person to call out my uh my memory in like the last day my wife seems to think i'm already developing uh early onset you know dementia really i could not uh we were over over uh, some friends house uh over the weekend i cannot remember who they were like, I knew who they were, but I, I couldn't remember their names. It was the most, it was the, and I wasn't drunk. I wasn't high. I just couldn't wait, remember. Wait, it are they
0: friends of, wait a minute, though. Are they
2: friends of yours, or are they friends of hers, and you got to go over there? No, they were, they're my friends of mine. It was a very busy weekend, though. We saw
0: Wait a, a minute, couples, they're friends so. of yours, and you just forgot who they were? Like, wait, did you, like, pull her aside? Like, hey, honey, can you help me get something out of the car? And you had to, like, go and ask their names?
2: No, I just, I, honest to God, I just couldn't, I I don't know what happened. I had like a mental block, man. I just, it was, it was the weirdest thing. So yeah, I, dude, I, you should, you should probably go to a doctor. I have suppose. a, yeah, I do. I have a, I have a physical coming up. We'll see. We'll see what they say. Hopefully everything is green and not red. You getting the poke in the butt yet? or are you not that age? <laughs> no, I'm not to that point yet to where I'm getting a, a poke in the butt. I haven't had a poke in the butt either. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not like shying away from it. got nothing wrong about it. I, think no, it's, I mean. I think it's important.
0: Okay, but when you get to the poke in the butt stage, do you want the doctor to be a man or a female doctor? Wow.
2: I uh, Yeah. Huh. I feel like, I feel like every man would say, yeah, give me the woman until like you get the woman and then you realize she's done a thousand of these and she doesn't care about your butt from anyone else's butt. No, the only,
0: my own I would rather have a female doctor do it only so that I could then just tell myself like, oh yeah, I've had a girl, you know, put their finger in my butt before. And then uh. just leave it at that and not give any explanation. And then somebody would say, how was it? And I'd be like, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. You know, it had to be done. So I would rather have, yeah, I actually would rather have a female doctor stick their finger in my butt than a male doctor.
2: I just think based upon physics alone and thinking about the size of a woman's hand or a man's hand, I mean, it's a good point. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's a good point. I'm a gentle a person. Point. All right. I, I don't need, you know, sausage di- digits going up there. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm fine.
0: But I mean, at your size, you would think that you would have a bigger butt hole than
2: most men, right? Like, no, wouldn't. I don't have a big downstairs. I mean,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I don't. My waist and my legs aren't proportionate to my upper body. I mean, I don't think I have a regular size, butt. uh first off, that that's a question. Do you think your
0: butthole is proportionately bigger than other people's or smaller than other people?
2: I mean, I don't think buttholes are, are different no matter how big you are. I think you have a butthole. No,
0: not everybody has the same size butthole.
2: I can't, this might be the most pointless thing we've ever talked about in this show, but there's no way everybody has the same size butthole.
0: Everybody has to have it. You There's no way, like, you think Shaq's butthole is the same size as yours or is the same size as mine. It's probably like, not no, that much dude. different. You think Shaq has to have, like, different plumbing in his house?
2: <laughs> have you ever seen his wife? I want to know how that works. I mean. Uh, that's incredible. That's, I mean, how to- that's, a, that's a strong woman. I mean, there's no way that they can actually be having sex. I mean, she is...
0: Yeah, dude, he's got like 10 kids, man. The
2: size of his leg is not even, like, fair. But anyways, getting back to the butthole thing, yes, I think everyone pretty much has the same size butthole.
0: No, I think it's proportionate to your body size. Well, maybe. Right? It's just like fingers. It's got to be the same as your fingers. Not everybody has the same size finger.
2: True. I mean... I just don't think, I don't think there's like extra large size buttholes and extra small size buttholes. I think everyone's kind of in the same range.
0: Proportionate to their body size. I would agree with you, but not, it's not like one size fits all that everybody just is made with the exact same size butthole. All
2: right. You ready for, you ready for shout outs? Uh, I no, but just because I'm thinking about buttholes now. So thank you. Buttholes, buttholes and buttholes.
0: All right, Did uh, you know my son told me that my chair smells like farts? So I don't have a sense of smell. How, how can the chair smell like farts? I don't understand how that's possible. Like, well, does the fart seep into the fabric?
2: Yeah, for sure. Oh, it does. I mean, so think the, about how,
0: it. How does any chair not smell like farts? Every chair would have to smell like farts, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean... Just think about it logically. You sit on that chair at least six hours a day and you sat on it for the last two and a half years. It's going to smell like ass. Mm. But then everybody's chair would smell like ass. It's not
0: like just completely.
2: Oh, God. Yeah, it's (laughs) yeah. I don't feel so bad about it. You're not not the only one's chair that smells like a steaming pile of dog shit.
0: Okay, good. All right. Mm -hmm, Good. This is more. Make sure I'm not alone.
2: All right, uh, let's see here. Jenna LeBlanc, appreciate you. Shasta Simcoe, uh, Moraham Borough, Malvina Paulus, uh, Corey Alexander, Sun Stoneburner, Edward Cardenas, Abby Alford, Ivan Morgillo, and Ruby Van Weeren. Appreciate you all coming right after the, uh, the butthole talk. But those are shout outs for the week.
0: It's nice. You did a good job on that one. Not a lot of pausing, seemed to be pronouncing everything correctly and clearly. You've gotten a lot better over the last couple of weeks, I feel like. I mean, you had some big stumbles with the shout outs for a while, which we had to like edit them and redo it. I feel like you've, you're able to say people's names now. I'm a, I'm a one time. I remember them, but you can't say
2: them again. I'm a one trick pony. I stop for no man. You know what I mean? Not a clue. Honestly, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea either. But it sounded good. See, <laughs> so see that... I'm under. I'm under the belief that no matter what you say, if you say it with confidence, you can get people to believe it.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, as a former news reporter, I can tell you how many times I have absolutely no idea what's fucking going on. But if you just say it like you do, people are going to be like, mm, "Guy's probably right."
2: All right. So let's see here. Um. I got a couple of, cue it up, bangers, for you. God. <laughs> All right, what's what's the what's a worst place uh, to go into Nick for yourself? Uh, let's say it's an eighty-five degree hot summer day. Uh, the deli section meat at Walmart, or a Popeye's chicken. I feel like this is a smell related question that I have no answer to. Oh no, it's it's an everything question. You obviously have never been to the deli, the deli counter at at Walmart.
0: No, what's (laughs) wrong? But what's the big deal about? I don't understand the question. Like, why is the deli counter at Walmart any different when it's warmer outside than when it's cooler outside? I've never noticed any particular difference. Now, if you're talking about the Fourth of July. Oof. I'm not going to the deli meat section on the Fourth of July, but I don't understand what the Ugh. what. Why does the heat have to do anything with
2: it? It really is, There, there was a study that was released, or or probably a very biased study on the worst places to be inside on hot days, and one of them that was on the list was Walmart, and it makes complete sense, uh, for many reasons. Not hating on Walmart specifically, but they're always very dirty the clientele is usually not the best and a deli counter in the middle of summer at walmart is not a place i'd want to be okay are, are you going above it you're going to say I that you can't i don't have any smell? i have
0: no i have literally have no opinion whatsoever i mean i just don't understand how i feel like that study is some bullshit that somebody just made up and well, they got every, some random guy with a smart sounding name to put his name on it and then they're just like okay well Like, I hate studies like that, right? Did they go to every single place in the universe, right? It's like whenever we talk about the 10 best books or the 10 best movies, did you see all of them? (laughs) Well, then it's just something somebody made up.
2: I mean, this list
0: of the top 10 podcasts has the exact same podcast on every single year because it's made by some intern. This study is bullshit. I
2: I don't, I don't. And quite
0: frankly, you should have screened your questions better.
2: I don't. Okay, disagree. I've never
0: chastised you for your questions before. I chastised my wife on Saturday and regretted that.
2: <laughs> you also left me a fantastic uh, voicemail, so thank you. I I appreciate that greatly. Um, got a- Got after it. I got after it this weekend. I'm pretty happy about it. You did, as you should have. Do you Do you want to discuss it? Uh, in three, can you describe your evening in three words or less?
0: I no. I can describe it very quickly, but I partied so hard on Saturday that I was physically exhausted on
2: Sunday. <laughs> a, I'm I'm pretty proud of you. I was exhausted. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Here. Let's, okay, let's move on. Um, I so have two things. I have two things that I, that, uh, that I want to ask you about. <laughs> so one of them, is, these aren't questions, but I want to know your thoughts. So. We're going to have two two topics instead of another question this week. Okay, okay. First was there was a satellite image released of what appears to be a doorway on Mars. Have you seen this photo yet? No. Why would there be a doorway on Mars? It looked it looked legit. I mean, for me like being the... for me being the space guy, I can tell you it it looked real and it was verified and authenticated by NASA as being some kind of unexplained Something on on the surface of Mars. And it looks like a doorway.
0: Is this going to be a man on the moon? (laughs) Like, right? Like, is this going to be like, oh, the face of the man in the moon where it looks like a face? Or is this like, ooh, that could be a door? Because we we know it's not a door, right? Like, if you're that advanced of a civilization that you're making doorways on Mars, you're not just going to leave that thing there. Like, oh, (laughs) forgot about this.
2: I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Look at Watergate. You know what I mean? I mean, people make mistakes. It happens.
0: Martian Gate? Is this what you're trying to say? Oh, my
2: God. What if we just came up with something? We didn't. Oh. I know you're excited, John, but
0: we're not. Okay, we didn't. It's not a doorway. It's probably like a fucking rock. It's like when you see something across the street, and you're like, oh, God. Oh, wait, no. It's like whenever they have bomb threats, and it turns out to be like somebody's lunch pail that they left in a car. This is what this reminds me of. Until it isn't.
2: Until it's an actual device. Which is how often? Probably less than 1%.
0: Right? It's not a door. It's like a rock on the ground. Right? What did the NASA Mars scientist say? Did he say it's a door?
2: They just said it was unexplained. First of
0: all, it's a door on the ground? Why would there be a door on the ground? No, it's... Like, think about that. Like, the Martians were opening up the door, like a door handle, and they would open it up. That's not the way to go underground. You would have sliding doors. It would part, like, when you're walking into a grocery store and it catches the thing. So there would be no door handle. It wouldn't look like a door.
2: I I think you're getting way too hot on this. I I think you need to see the photo. just using logic.
0: Let me look at this picture of the Martian door Oh, I found Martin Doors, apparently a garage door supplier located near me.
2: <laughs> uh no, not not the same thing. What That's
0: it. That's the door?
2: You assume it. It looks pretty good.
0: It looks pretty good if you had already convinced yourself of it. Otherwise, it looks like a rock. Like what's Okay, uh, it's 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 the same thing, right? It's always the same thing. It's always the simple answer. Is the, have we stumbled upon signs of an advanced civilization that accidentally left an open door to their secret underground world? Or is it a rock? Which one of those is probably the answer? It's probably the a rock.
2: Underground. Right. Uh, exactly.
0: So let's prepare for the invasion. Get ready for it now.
2: Man, you got. Pretty hot. Good to see your your face get a little flushed there. No, I'm actually um, just
0: kind of burned, sunburned from the weekend. Oh, will tan. So
2: that okay, That's you why get I'm like it. 18 shades darker than you are. Oh man, I look like fucking. Uh, I'm, you gotta I'm out go of, outside, dude. I, I I was outside a lot of the weekend. I I don't know what to tell you. Pretty big week this week in uh, movies. Top Gun Two is coming out. How excited are you? Give me your excitement. Come on.
0: I don't care. The first, Tom Cruise is one of those people that I cannot watch in any movie under any circumstances. Not only new movies, but old movies as well. His weirdo personality has completely ruined all movies that he has been in or will be in or has been in for me entirely. Won't even watch it. Don't even watch the trailers. Can't even look at it. If I see Tom Cruise in a movie, a trailer on a website, I immediately pass it over.
2: I understand that. I really I really do. Uh however, uh, he he's made some good stuff. I I think it's you have to discern, you know, you have to differentiate the actor from the person. I can't think of a good movie. Well, I haven't seen any of them, but I can't think of any good movies
0: he's made. The last good movie that I would say that Tom Cruise was in was uh Tropic Thunder,
2: and only because you didn't realize it was him cuz he was in a fat suit. <laughs> Um, yeah. Matthew McConaughey was pretty funny in that movie too, but... Uh, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, I right. do remember that. Okay. Uh, let's see, the last thing I have is uh, this is how lazy of, of a of a country we are. Somebody has invented burrito tape to tape your burrito shut. That way, you know, th- that way they, the innards don't fall out because apparently nobody wants to spend five minutes Googling how to fold the burrito properly. They're just going to buy edible burrito
0: tape now sounds like a person who's willing to get in there and solve the real problems that are going on in society and i don't appreciate the fact that you're trying to basically discourage america's next generation of great entrepreneurs and businessmen and inventors My God. burrito tape is probably one of the things that we didn't know that we needed what if you're oh. out there and you've got like a big gathering and you're making a lot of breakfast burritos for a baseball team and you want those breeders to stay nice and together so you just put burrito tape on there I don't appreciate the fact that you're trying to discourage the next great American inventor.
2: All I'm going to say is no. I just just think it's pointless. Learn how to do it yourself for fuck's sake. All right. Are you ready for our top five? I I am. I am. I feel like you and I both got heated at separate moments there. So let's, let's just have a chill, cool top five.
0: Fuck that. Top five summer clothing choices.
2: All right. uh, My number five are uh, just, just a nice pair uh, of, of summer shorts. It could be khaki shorts. It can be, you know, just a sporty type shorts, but just a good, solid pair of summer shorts.
0: Do you feel that men's shorts are too long, too short, or just right, right now? Like, how do you feel about the length of men's shorts at this time?
2: I I think they're fine. I I would say anything that comes to about the kneecap, you don't want to go below the kneecap and you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be above, you know, the kneecap too far. Because then you're starting to show off thigh, and it's just a lot of guys don't have nice thighs. Hmm. I would
0: I would say about an inch above the kneecap is is the acceptable and good range of shorts. Right? <laughs> okay. You go higher up there. If we're talking mid thigh for a straight man, you're getting shorts are too short. Some <laughs> short shorts. Uh, my number five is a visor because I believe that summer is the only time people can wear stupid hats.
2: I have a love-hate relationship with the visors because, to me, just wear a hat. But then again, at the same point, I understand a visor. I get it. But I- I'm not a big fan of a visor. I'm not a fan of
0: visors either. I just believe that summer is the only time you can get away with a stupid hat. Like, I'll allow a stupid hat in summer. But not during winter, or spring, or fall.
2: Uh, my number four, I have uh, low-cut socks, like ankle socks. You gotta have... You got to wear socks, but you don't want to wear the big winter ones. You don't want to wear dress socks. So you just – a nice pair of, like, low-cut, like, ankle socks. Don't you
0: have, like, weird foot booties that you wear (laughs) that are, like, basically pantyhose socks for men?
2: I do. I'm pretty sure they've been referred to as foot condoms.
0: Did you buy those? Did you pick those out on your own, or did your wife get them
2: for you? My, My wife picked them out for me. And you wore them? You were okay with wearing them? Yeah, I like I said, I I don't like. Do, do you like to be barefoot? No, I hate yeah. being barefoot. I can't stand it. Yeah, me, me too. I, I don't care if I'm at the at the pool. I'll be wearing you know sandals until I'm in the water. Like I, I just I don't like being barefoot uh anywhere. So I I like having socks. I'm and... okay being barefoot at the beach,
0: at the pool, and. After I shower and go to
2: bed, but otherwise I am not barefoot even in my own house. I'm I, me either. I mean, I have I have on a nice pair of slippers right now, and it's seventy five degrees outside. Okay,
0: uh, my all number four right. is a bandana,
2: man, or man. a
0: headband.
2: Okay, headbands are alright. I'll give you a headband, but a bandana. I feel like I feel like the pandemic officially ruined bandanas for me. But I'm talking about the head bandana. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's like a Baraka
0: Lava or something like that. A bandana is different.
2: No, I'm, you know, you got all these these assholes out there that wore the bandana as a mask, and it just completely ruined bandanas for me. No offense to those of you who did it. Sorry that I called you a-holes. Uh, my number three is a is a good, comfortable pair of sandals.
0: Mm, I think you're underestimating the importance of good footwear in summer. I think that, that that's higher on my list. My number three is a swimsuit.
2: Okay, that's actually my number two.
0: Swimsuit is yeah. number two? Yeah. The only reason I couldn't put swimsuit higher is just because, I mean, you can wear swimsuits. Other, it doesn't specifically say summer to me. Like, you could be wearing a swimsuit going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, swimming for, like, exercise and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So
0: it doesn't say... Swimsuit doesn't say summer to me quite as much as my number two, which is a tank top.
2: Okay. Uh, If you notice, I didn't really have any, any shirts on there. I mean, the only shirt that I thought about putting on uh, or or summer shirt, I guess would be like, like a Hawaiian shirt, but I just have that in my honorable mention. Okay. What's your, uh, wait, what number are you on? Your number one. I'm on my number one. And I think it's pretty, pretty easy, but I know you don't have this anywhere on your list at all, which kind of surprised me, but you need a good pair of sunglasses. That's my number one.
0: Hmm. I would agree with you on sunglasses, but I wear sunglasses year-round because I'm basically blind once I go outside. So that's the only reason I wouldn't agree with sunglasses. To me, my number one is flip-flop. Flip-flop is a summer-only clothing choice.
2: And I mean, you're one and two uh, primarily were summer-only.
0: Yeah, that's why that really fits with the top five theme of top five summer clothing choices.
2: Well, I mean, you're the one who just, I mean, flip-flops are are fine. Uh, I mean, they're obviously on my list, but uh, number one, I don't know. Because sunglasses have appeal, right? Yes, you use them in the summer, but they can also be used in the winter.
0: But you're not wearing, sunglasses aren't exclusive to the summer as much as a flip-flop is. Like, I've got sunglasses on in the winter, but I'm not wearing flip-flops. It can be freezing cold. Like, I wear sunglasses going skiing. I'm not wearing flip flops going skiing. Maybe you should try
2: flip flop skiing.
0: I don't think they have it. I wonder if they have barefoot skiing. It would be pretty cold on your feet, to be honest. I'm sure you can do it, but you're really going to regret that. Your feet basically have to be frozen in order to do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're good. All right. uh, Honorable mention time. Let's see Hawaiian t shirts. Uh, I have like a, a, a like a like a good, comfortable summer shirt, uh, you know, like those dry fit ones almost that are, are nice and light. Don't you know, they don't they're not heavy. You can wear them outside. You sweat and it kind of soaks up the sweat. You can keep moving on. Uh, okay. Just a good summer. T-shirt. Um yeah, I'm not really too proud of anything else on my list. What do you have on your no, own? No, I don't
0: really have anything great on my list other. You know, it's really definitely like the top five things, and then it's kind of really falls apart after that. I'm sure there's probably some clothing for women that we're missing. But I feel like, look, I think like bandana for women, right? Like that's uh, that's about as close. Like I assume like if I was buying summer clothing for, for my wife or for a woman in my life – I would be like, oh, I guess I'll get her a bandana. That's what women wear in summer. And that I would mean, be my I, only I, knowledge of women's clothing purchases during the summer.
2: Should we put beach towel on there? Is like a beach towel important? Is that top five worthy? Well, you can't
0: really wear it. That's what I thought about, like having a beach yeah. towel. I don't know. There's like those things that women wear that they put on over their swimsuits. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know what those are called, though. Shirts? Swim, swimsuit towels?
0: No, there's not a towel. They don't wear a towel. They wear like the special swimsuit
2: thing.
1: Right? You you're doing a great They've got, job. They
0: got like of the swimsuit shirt
2: that they wear. You know yeah, what I'm talking about. I, I, I do. I'm I, I do. I just want I want you to try to explain it because it's hilarious.
0: I don't know what it's called. Um I'm okay with jean shorts on the fourth of July.
2: <laughs> nothing denim, man. Denim, nothing denim spells summer at all. It's gotta
0: be ironic. Oh, okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, we really do want to make this show more interactive. So whatever you thought about the interview with Melissa, things that John and I talked about, the top five, let us know what you think. Because like I said, like we, we feel like a part, a part of the show is missing, and that part is you. And we want to try to include as much of that as we possibly can. So our email address is down there right in the episode description. And you can always find us on social media. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And we really appreciate any feedback, reviews, ratings that you can give us. I think we're going to try to figure this out if there's like a way to leave us voicemails. So if anybody knows how to do that, then let us know. Because otherwise, it's going to take John like a year to figure it out.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.